Greenside, the IGA podcast. Also, Mike McCoy, the 2013 U.S. Johnson, now a two-time major champion after becoming the winner of the 144th Open Championship. Welcome to Greenside, the IGA podcast. Clint Brown here with you. Got J.D. Anderson winner of the recent 2022 Northwest Amateur. J.D., welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Clint. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I had I knew you'd been on, and I had, I had to look back at my files. We, we talked to you last year after you won the, the Southeast, so I had to kind of kind of re-familiarize myself with when you were on, but I knew you'd been on. Um, before we dive into your, your victory at the Northwest, I want to want to get a little information from you. You grew up in, grew up in Pocahontas. Pocahontas. Okay. Tell me about kind of how you got started in the game as a, as a junior and, and kind of took off from there. Fortunately, you know, in a small town, we had a nine hole course and um, it wasn't my favorite thing to do growing up. My parents kind of had us, my brother and I out there oh, once a week. And my brother, who's two years older, he was a pretty good high school player. And, you know, we had that sibling rivalry thing going and I you know just kind of got hooked around 13 14 years old and was fortunate to be out there every day playing growing up so did you do you play in in a lot of tournaments kind of locally as a junior or what what was that kind of like for you in the summers not a lot of tournament golf but you know we had some nine hole junior golf tournaments nothing like they have today um, you know, we didn't really play a lot of 18 hole golf courses, um, in that area. So college golf, where, where did you, where did you play college golf? Yeah, I went to Wayne state, Nebraska. Um, I followed my high school buddy out there and we, we played from 92 or 93 to 96. Okay. And was that a, a division two school? What, where, where, where did that fit into things? Yeah, it was a division two school. You know, it was kind of middle of the road as far as talent goes. By the end of my college career, I not winning everything, but I won a few golf tournaments. Did you feel like your game really kind of took off in college? Was there kind of a, you know, maybe a year or two that you look back on and you kind of felt like you made that next, that next step? Yeah, it kind of, you know, every year you just keep getting better. Sure. And um, I knew there was always, you know, every golfer when they get done with a round knows it can be better. Sure. And it was like that with every round and every shot. And I knew I could do it. And, uh, and I'm just competitive by nature. And it, yeah, it just drove me. And um, I, I feel like I still get better every year in, in some aspects. Well, I, I think, as, as, at least for me, I, th- I think you learn things, you know, year after year. And it's kind of funny to think that, but I, I think you just, I, I, it's, it's hard to explain, I think. Yeah, it's not all talent that gets better. Some things, you know, how you think through shots and yep. understand your capabilities. And because you know, unfortunately I'm at the age, I don't think I'm getting longer. <laughs> uh, technology is wonderful, but it's not helping me uh, get longer every year. JD, you've, uh, you've been a, a consistent player, a great player on the IGA circuit for a long time. What, what I guess would you hang your hat on as far as what's, you know, kind of made you, you know, is it just the competitiveness in you that's really just, you know, been able to to have the longevity that you've had? And, and I mean, you're still playing great golf. Yeah, I, I do think the competitive part is 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 key. Um, you know, every year there's new juniors coming up, and 
um, it's it's not as easy, you know, that everybody's longer. Uh, part of me wants to, you know, show them I'm still competitive. You bet. Um, mentioned, you mentioned the, the young juniors coming up, and I can't remember who I asked this. I asked this of uh, somebody recently on the podcast, but when you were kind of starting out on the, you know, maybe as a junior or even once you got into to kind of the IGA circuit stuff, was, was there a what kind of players did you did you always kind of look up to maybe or enjoy enjoy playing with and, and learn from maybe in those early years? Yeah, early on, you know, um, I'm a couple of years younger than Sean McCarty. Yep. Okay. And we played the same uh, high school class. Okay. And we we're at state golf at Finkbine a long time ago, and you know everybody looked up to Sean, um, and still do, and still do, but. Um, yeah, you could you could tell that who had the talent back then. Sure. Um, it was funny the other day somebody sent me the Waterloo Junior Open or Junior Amateur from it was 1986. My name was on there, and and I look at a lot of the names and who I thought were really good back then, um, and some of the names are still relevant today, but a lot of them, you know, move or get careers and, sure. and don't focus on golf as much as a lot of people do, but. It was interesting. Yeah. Probably, probably fun to kind of look back at, you know, maybe some names that you, you remember that you hadn't, you hadn't thought of for a long time, probably. Yes, for sure. That That's awesome. All right. Northwest amateur got off to a hot start this year. Uh, talk to me a little bit. Um, Cause I was curious, we had our, our mid am there this year. Um, how does the how did that course change? Because obviously scores were a lot lower. Was it just a matter of the, it's just firmer and playing a little faster than it was the spring, or or what was the difference there? Because I wasn't up there this spring. Yeah, that's a good question because a lot of the people that haven't been to the Northwest Am uh, when when they went to the Iowa Mid Amateur thought the scores were going to be way lower, and I did too. Uh, I guess one of the the big differences the greens were a lot firmer in the Mid Am. Okay. The temperatures were cooler. Um, and I, the tees were set up longer, kind of like how the Northwest amateur does it the last round. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was, it was, it's a yeah. tough combination in the mid am too. The greens were firm and the, you know, the, the collars were soft, which really makes it difficult if you need to land one short, cause it doesn't bounce up there. But if you, if you get it to the hole, you know, it, it kind of runs through the green. Well, and as we know, you know, the mid-ams, you know, one of our first first couple events. So I just wondered if it was just a matter, too, of just guys that have, you know, going to Northwest and they've been playing all summer and, you know, got their games in tune or maybe not so much in May, depending on what kind of spring we have. Sure. Yeah, that that accounts for it as well. So uh, 62 the first day you were, you were co-leading. Um, was it a – you've played up there enough. Is it a course you think you can just – you can get after – you know, early and early and often. Yeah. You really feel like if you don't get off to a good start there, that, um, you're going to get lapped by the field, you know, the, the, the greens are big there and they're, they're fairly flat and you, you feel like you need to, you know, make a handful of birdies the first day for sure. Well, if I, if I counted up right, you had 17 birdies in your first two rounds, JD, was it a matter of your making pots? Were you hitting it close? Was it a, a little bit of everything or what was, what was kind of the, 
the secret sauce, I guess. Yeah, the I think that I what I take away was you have rounds where your yardages are never good and your lies aren't the best, you know, and it's just everything seems to go against you. In those first two days, it was completely the opposite. Uh, I feel like I'm a, a really a decent wedge player, and I had perfect yardages, uh, and the greens were very receptive. In that first round, I had 17 legitimate birdie looks, and well, I made 10 of them, <laughs> and yeah, and it just continued on, and even the the shots that were perfect turned out to be, you know, like good, good fortune, I guess. Got, got good breaks. Um, maybe it was just yeah. And, he, and yeah. surprisingly the, I didn't miss a putt inside 10 feet the first two rounds. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. I, I surprised myself. Actually, I was going to say that the hole, it gets into that. The hole looks pretty big, doesn't it? It does. Yep. So, uh, you know, Sunday, the 36 whole day is always, always kind of a grind. Are you a guy that kind of like watches the leaderboard? Cause obviously, you know, scores can, you know, guys can go out and shoot a, a shoot low scores there. No, I am not a leaderboard watcher. Okay. I try to okay. avoid it, especially when you're in, you feel like you're in contention. Sure. Although, well, you're, you know, you, as you're, you're playing with the, you know, usually playing with leaders, I mean, obviously guys behind you could, could make a run, but you kind of, you know, it's probably maybe, subconsciously you kind of know where you stand at least within your group yeah and the my group we were the the low four the first round on sat on sunday okay and with the weather delay that morning we didn't get repaired so okay that was gonna be my next question too i was curious on exactly how i didn't think you did but i wasn't sure how that exactly worked out a typical sunday you would get repaired there'd be a little break in between rounds but i think we had like a two-hour rain delay that morning so we just, they, we just kept moving. Uh, but still the, my group was still the, the last four. Uh, John Brown had a good third round. And I, so I didn't look past him at all. I knew he would still be coming. And, you know, I, I was, my game went from making birdies to kind of scramble mode that first not or that first nine on that final round. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Andrew Zinn stopped in and we were on 11 and he goes, have you looked at the leaderboard? I said, no. And he goes, do you want to know? And just the way he said it, that meant there's something to look at. Right. Sure. Right. Right. And I go, Oh, is John Brown still playing well? He goes, yeah, he's within one. <laughs> so. So then you kind yeah. of, <laughs> well, that, that back nine, it looks like you made five birdies coming in. So you, you know, you kind of put her back in the, the, the top gear and, and got her done. Yeah, it, it, it kind of the, the nervy front nine turned into adrenaline there on the back. And I just started committing to good, good swings again and had some birdies. And, and, and Denny Bull, you know, you can't – it's hard to get past him. Yep. He's a great player, and he's right on my heels all day. So that was a really fun finish. He birdied. Uh, 15 and 17 were, which are two tough holes. And somehow I birdied 16 and, and 18 to, to hang in there with him. Well, you finished with a, a record 266 total, 22 under par. JD, does it, can you kind of talk about, you know, playing in a group where guys are, you know, making birdies? Do you feed off that or are you just kind of got the binders on, I like to say, and just kind of keeping your head down? 
Well, I, I would like to say, you know, I'm experienced enough to just try to focus on my own game, but it's difficult, um, especially having a lead. Sure. It's, it's, it's hard to still be aggressive. You feel like, you know, you mess up and then there's two shot swing and then all of a sudden the momentum is completely switched. But I, I feel like I did better this time. And uh, Sam's story, you know, he mm -hmm. was six under that final round. Uh, Danny was five. I was four. So there was a lot of birdies there on the back nine. And uh, yeah, we do, we do feed off each other for sure. One question I had, JD, you know, you, you make a lot of birdies and you, you know, you get, you get it going pretty low. Do you, do you kind of get in a mindset where it's like, Hey, let's make another one. Let's make another one. Or do you, are you just kind of irrelevant to score until kind of the end of the round and you're checking them and, and signing them that type of thing? Yeah. That when you get, you if know, that makes there, sense, I guess my question. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think there's a point in a good golfer's career where you, you figure out how to get past the, the five under, you know, and keep mm -hmm. it going. Because early on, you know, you get to five under and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I want to hold on to shoot five under. Well, somehow there's this, this point where you, you almost try to forget what you are. Mm -hmm. And when you're shooting the 10 under, hopefully you don't even know what you're at. And then you like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm 10 under. You just yeah, kind of forget, kind of forget your score and just play golf. Well, and I know when I, when I was coaching, you know, guys that have, you know, three or four holes left and they, you know, they'd say like, okay, I need to, you know, I need to do this the last three holes. And I'm like, no, you need to do this on this hole. And then we'll worry about the next hole. So I think it's, I think, like you said, I think it's kind of a matter of just kind of trying to forget where you're at, just put to your mind somewhere else. Yep. JD, uh, before I let you go, what, what advice would you give a, a younger player that's maybe getting involved in the, the IGA stuff is that wants to wants to get better wants to be a you know an even better player what's maybe a a few tidbits not to give away your secrets but uh what would you what would you tell a, a junior golfer coming up the ranks that uh that wants to you know compete yeah i i think you know get as many tournaments in as you can without getting burned out um i try to focus on one thing of your game each year to improve on you know i those are the things that I, I, I still do. Yeah. Take the fundamentals, right? It, right. It always, Keep it you simple. Get, you get off on something and you're like, it's go back to fundamentals. Your setup is key and just drives the rest of your swing. So that, uh, that sounds like solid advice to me. Uh, JD, as always, uh, appreciate you, you coming on the podcast and, uh, and we'll see you down the trail. Hey, thanks Clint. Yep. All right, I'd like to welcome our next guest, Darren Fisher, uh, Director of Golf at the Preserve on Rathbun Lake. Darren, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, Clint. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Darren, coming off the 73rd Herman Sani uh, Championship, uh, congratulations on that, Darren. Uh, but uh, before we dive into that, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, perfect. Uh, I've been at the uh, Honey Creek Resort, the Preserve on Rathbun Lake now for 15 years. Uh, 2008, I believe I started here. Um, before that, I was at Boss Lawn and in Pella. And uh, I've been an Iowa kid the entire time. Uh, graduated from Central College in 1997. Um, I've got a, my wife, Jenny. She's a, the, the building block of our entire family. And I've got three great kids. Um, one in college and the other two still in high school. 
so it's it's a busy time of year for me, but uh, it's nice to get out and be able to play and play well at times. And you said how long have you been at the preserve now? Fifteen years. That can't be possible. That's <laughs> that's not. Nope. Nope. Yeah, can't, can't, can't do that. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, April actually April first. That's crazy. April first of twenty twenty three will be official fifteen okay. year anniversary. Wow. So. I would I would not have guessed that without doing the math because obviously I knew you from our days back in Pella and, and yeah when I was at Central and, and all that good stuff so wow I would not have I wouldn't have guessed that not to make you feel any older than, than you be, <laughs> but yeah I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed that um, Darren you you grew up I I actually grew up in Nashua okay Iowa, okay up in the northeast corner of the state great a great town very very similar to Albia okay uh, very you know kid focused and and a, a great place to grow up and and uh so very similar to albia but no i grew up in north what was uh what was your junior golf uh like how'd you kind of get started in the game and and uh what what was that like for you well you know growing up in in small town iowa every court every town had a little nine hole golf course so my parents would spend the 115 120 dollars a year for that junior membership and basically drop me off in the morning and pick me up in the, in the evening. Um, you know, and then, you know, that's, that was my junior golf experience. We had a small junior golf clinic with my high school golf coach, Jeff Trost, um, growing up, but, uh, you know, I really learned, it wasn't a lot of grinding and hitting golf balls on the driving range. It really was on course, learn how to play, learn how to score, um, learn some creativity, um, and then try to pass some of that on to some of your, your friends or your younger friends and try to grow the game as much as you can that way. Were you, were you playing a lot in the summers or you kind of, you know, local tournaments kind of thing, or was it more of just kind of going out with friends and, and playing all day type of thing? Yeah. You know, a little bit of both back in okay. those days, you know, every, again, every little course had, had a junior tournament. Sure. Um, okay. So we would, we would all jump in somebody's car and, and if they were old enough to drive us to that event, we would go play there or mom and dad would take us to that, to a, to an event. Um, I remember, you know, vividly putting three or four younger kids in, in my car once I was 16 and drive to some local town for some junior event. And, uh, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of memories that way. Um, you know, it's a small town. So just like in every other small town, kids that are in athletics and sports, you need them for every sport. So I played baseball and football and basketball. And, uh, you know, I, I really firmly believe that that's, that builds character and that builds, uh, you know, more of a team atmosphere and, and, uh, it, it just transfers to life really. Sure. So I'm not a big sure. specialized guy. Um, but, uh, you know, golf was definitely one of my favorites and I tried to play every day in the summer. So you said you, you, uh, you went to central, which, which I knew, it, you know, got a little history there myself, but did you, did your game kind of take off in college? What, what was that kind of like, as far as your progressions, um, to kind of the player you are now there? Yeah. Yeah, it did. It got, it got exponentially better. Um, you know, I, I did make it to the state tournament when I was in high school, but, uh, once I got to college, um, Bob Bruns was my coach there. Yep. Um, yep. We made a few changes. And then I really kind of learned not only how to manipulate the golf ball a little bit better, but better course management and trying to, you know, stay calm and, and do the right things that 
you know, as you're, when you're younger, it may cost you a shot here and shot there. And as you're trying to win tournaments, you know, every shot counts. So, um, yeah, I, I ended up winning a tournament in college as a freshman and that kind of jump started me for the rest of my, my, my college career. And, you know, one thing that I'm really proud of is that I was always there for my teammates. Um, especially as a senior, I think my, my low, my worst finish as a senior in any golf meet was 10th place. And that was at the national tournament. So I felt like they could always count on me for a good round and a good steady round and consistent. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I truly enjoyed my time at Central. What uh, what was what was Bob Bruns like as a coach? I I know him a little bit, obviously, with my from like I said, my days in Pella, but didn't know him as a coach. What was he a technical guy? Was he was he kind of what was he like? You know, he wasn't huge into like the technical aspects of the game and the swing. Um, he he definitely wanted you to know that he cared about you and and your your well being and and he wanted you to get better as a, as a man and, and as a, as a player at the same time. And, uh, you know, he would work with you if you had a specific problem. Um, but he, he certainly was a calming influence. I know, I know if you know, Bob as well as I do, right. yeah. um, he's one of my favorite people. He's, he's a mentor of mine. Um, and like I said, he would help you with, you know, a, a position or a, a swing thought, but he also really helped guide you you know, this is how you get around the golf course and try to control your emotions. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Um, it just made it really comfortable to play. And, you know, the one thing I remember about him is that he was firm when he needed to be, but yet he, you know, you would come up with him and he would smile and he'd try to keep it loose and, sure. and uh, all those things that you're really looking for when, when the pressure's on. So uh, Darren, once you, once you graduated from college, what, where did you, where did you head? Right. Did you get right into the business right after college? I, I did. I took a okay. job in Sedalia, Missouri as an assistant there. And, uh, um, it was a great, it was a great job. I, I'd love to, to learn and kind of start learning the business. Uh, you know, some of the good, some of the bad, I, I learned that it was a lot longer hours and a little less golf at the time. But, uh, sure. once you started planning, once I started planning, um, there was definitely time to be able to play and practice. You just had to be smart about it. So um, I just practiced at night after everything was kind of calmed down and, and my game got, it took another jump um, being able to practice all the, all those hours. And uh, I enjoyed that. I was only there for a year and then I came back and was, was an assistant at the Amana colonies for a season. Okay. Um, and then after the Amana colonies, I, I tried giving, playing professionally a shot. Okay. Okay. I was, I was curious. Cause I, I kind of, rem- I maybe remember you there in a but I wasn't sure before that. So yeah, I was curious about that. So anyway, uh, this past weekend, pretty good weekend for you, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I truly enjoyed myself. You know, it, it's kind of become an annual deal where myself and a very close friend of mine, uh, doc Bates and John Brown play, in this event. And I truly look forward to it every year. You know, I, like I said, at the end of the tournament, I really enjoy playing in events that you and, and Chad and the rest of the staff have a hand in because it's so well run and it feels, it just has the right feel to it. And, uh, you know, I think being in, in the a pairing that you're comfortable with leads to playing, playing well. And, and, uh, you know, I was able to put it together for three days on a golf course that, it didn't play 
easy by any stretch of the imagination. That wind was difficult to deal with and strong at times. Um, the greens weren't super fast, but the, I thought the whole locations were really challenging for three days straight. So you had to have really good control of your golf ball. It didn't necessarily mean that you had to hit it a thousand miles, but uh, you know, I probably hit 80% of the fairways and I think I was adding it up. I think I hit 50 greens okay. in 54 holes. So just, I tried to be steady and, and cautious and know when to kind of put one at the flag or know when it was probably best to hit it out there 15 or 20 feet and just, you know, take your par. Well, Darren, I, I didn't get to see all your rounds all three days, but saw kind of a little bit each day. Um, I would say I thought you played steady golf. I, I uh, you didn't, you know, you were never really too far off of probably where you wanted to be. And you just, you know, you made enough birdies. You had 10 birdies against only four bogeys for the week. Uh, what was kind of the keys for you? Yeah, you got it. You hit it right on the head. Uh, steady. You know, that first round I, I was talking with Doc Bates in the cart as we were driving. I said, you know, I'm just going to make sure that I'm in the right position off the tee. I'm not going to force anything into the greens. If I feel like a shot into the middle of the green and then work it to the flag stick is the best option. I'm not going to short side myself. And I did that for 18 straight holes. And I'm like, man, I didn't make a bogey. That was just like the most relaxed round of golf I think I've ever played. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I thought, well, this, this seems like a good game plan. I don't, it, I mean, I knew some kids had, had played some good rounds, but I knew the wind was going to blow too. So um, that second round I started off with a bogey. I'm like, well, maybe this is a round that's going to go a little differently. I'm going to have mm -hmm. to throw some birdies in there on top of a couple bogeys. So I never really got too far ahead of myself. I didn't get impatient. Um, I, I just tried to stay, stay the course really. And, and, uh, you know, I, that la that last round was just really a microcosm of the first two days where I think I made 10 straight pars maybe to finish off the tournament. I was just going to say you, yeah, you <laughs> made, you made a boatload of pars coming in. So I was, yeah. was going to ask you about that. Darren, and you kind of, you kind of mentioned this, but I thought each day there at Echo Valley country club, it played a little bit different. Um, I would, I would totally agree with you. The first day the wind was kind of consistent. The first day the wind was out of the South. It really kind of set up nicely for, for my tee shot to where all the difficult driving holes kind of let you kind of hit it out into the wind and it bring it back into the fairway. The next day the wind was kind of out of the South, but it was from the Southwest. Um, which made it a little bit more challenging. And then, the, then the last day was completely different. I think the wind was out of like the north, the northwest or northeast, or it just made it, it was like a completely different golf course off the tee. Um, so yeah, it was definitely challenging. I you know you could you could uh, I don't know if I if I played Echo in this event that it was this you had to be in it mentally all 54 sure. holes for sure right right well i wanted to mention uh it's your second uh career herman sani uh championship win you won it in 2012 at hyperion and now uh this past yeah. weekend at echo valley pretty special i know you mentioned this after the round pretty special to be able to win both places yeah yeah i mean it, you know it's always nice to know that your game can travel from one spot to the next you know i i won our section championship the first time on the iowa pga side it was here at my golf course so there was always that, uh, you know, it's, he won, but, 
right? Sure. Well, then I, sure. I was able to win it again two years later at Glen Oaks. And that's, it was kind of validation that, you know what, it's just, it's just how you play and it's just the game that you carry. And then to win at Hyperion was, is, was great. And then again, like you said, to win it in, in uh, you know, 10 years apart now at a different golf course. So it, it, I just, I, I, it's a difficult tournament to win because there's so many good players and, and I'm just really proud, really happy, um, really humbled to be the, the winner this year. Darren, you, you talked about, you know, you don't want to get too hard, too far ahead of yourself, but did you kind of feel throughout the tournament, you know, if you kind of kept it around, you know, a couple under par, maybe three under par that you were, you know, you, you're going to be in good shape each day. I, I did. Um, I got a really lucky break on the last hole, the last day, I got a good bounce, which I think you need a couple of those. Um, and the ball rolled up there to within three or four feet and I made a birdie and I was, I was surprised that I was tied for the lead. I thought maybe that there'd be somebody who would push one of those four or five unders up to seven. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was a little bit surprised. And then I, you know, I, I'm a competitor. I was watching it all day, trying to figure out, you know, where am I going to end up? You know, who am I going to be playing with? Who are Mm -hmm. going to be the challengers and stuff? And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm leading this thing. Um, I just, I just felt that if I just played steady and made sure that I didn't do anything silly that would give anybody else a chance, they would have to keep trying to pressure themselves into making some shots. And, and, uh, that's kind of the the thing that I, I pride myself on is that I just don't want to make that big mistake and and it, it paid off. It paid off this time for sure. Well, you talked about kind of your second round. It was like, Hey, I can, you know, might make a bogey, but I can get it back with a birdie. But that, that big number is always, always hard to, to get back from, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, I, I thought that, you know, the tournament goes by rarely. Are you going to make, not make a bogey or two, but it, sure. can you, can you avoid, um, the double, can right. you avoid something even worse than that? You know, I played, we played the last round with, uh, Anthony Ruthie, who's an incredible college player. He's ahead of the game in regards to, the mental side of it. And he's got great game, but the kid is rock solid when it comes to staying in the moment and uh, not letting the moment get too big for him. I mean, you know, he, I, I think I made a birdie on number four. He knocked it on a two to make a birdie on number four. So he was still three behind, but then he, he kind of hit a kind of a squirrely tee shot on five and made a and made a double. But mm-hmm. you know, within ten holes, he had played the next ten holes at one under par. So he really, I was really very very impressed. Um, but but with both kids that I played, Sam, I, I think you pronounce his last name Bertanen, or I think that's right. He's played. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm very impressed with with Sam too. He just he got a couple bad breaks. Um, and both the kids are great kids and great players too. Well, you, you kind of led into this a little bit. I was going to ask you about number six there, that last day, um, you know, Anthony comes off the double and then absolutely stuffs it yeah. on that part. I, it almost went in. It really did. Cause I was up there and you had a good look and you left it just short. And I could tell you were kind of like, dang it. Like, uh, and yeah. he, he misses that. And I thought, boy, that, that could have made things really interesting Cause like he, you know, he just made double, but he bounces back with a birdie and then, you know, still got a lot of holes left. I thought that was maybe a, 
kind of a big moment kind of looking back uh, yeah. within, you know, as you guys were kind of battling. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking to my dad about this too. I said that I knew where the kids in my group were. Um, and then the group, the two groups in front of me had some really solid players too, but um, it's, it, you know, that, that putt may have kind of changed the, the dichotomy of what was going on in okay. our group. It probably would have let him settle down a little bit and say, you know, okay, just one, you know, one every three holes or one yep. every four holes. And I, yep. I'll, I'll be able to, I can catch him. And, you know, when he missed that, I, you know, I, I kind of thought, well, let's, let's put the focus back on, on yourself and try to climb higher, get farther away from these guys. And, you know, I made a, I made a, a good par on seven and then a great birdie on eight. Well, I thought, um, really kind of it, it put some more pressure on, especially on Anthony to, to have to try to make something happen. Sure. Sure. Um, Darren, are you, and you kind of alluded this to a little bit when you were younger, but are you still a guy that just would rather play than, than beat a lot of balls or do you, are you kind of a, a mix or what's that look like for you when you're able to? Cause I know you're a busy guy with, with work and family. Yeah. Um, I don't mind hitting, range balls, but I would much rather play my way into a tournament. Um, if there's something specific, like leading into the, the Sony, um, mm-hmm. I was struggling with putting a little bit and, and struggling with just contact with my iron. So I'd spend, you know, 30 minutes up hitting range balls and then an hour down on the putting green. Um, and then once I thought my ball striking was where I kind of wanted it, then I, I would just go out and, you know, play a couple holes, but then keep working on my putting. Um, I, I would just much rather go out and play 18 holes and, and feel my way around and enjoy the people I'm playing with than sit up there and aimlessly hit balls to a out under the driving range. You know, I was, I was reading, I can't think who it was. I don't know if it was somebody on tour or maybe it was one of somebody maybe at the USAM that they, they talked about that their game really changed when they would go to the driving range and they wouldn't just aim at the flags out there. Mm-hmm. They would concentrate on other things, like you said, like contact and, you know, trajectory and, and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty profound. If you, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny you say that I, my son, Connor, who's going to be a junior in high school, I feel like we've got his golf swing looking great i mean it looks the part well he has trouble scoring because he and so that's what i told him i said for the next month we're not going to worry about positions and tech techniques i want you to go out and learn how to hit a high draw a low draw Mm -hmm. a high fade a low fade and gain some creativity in your in your game and I think then we'll be okay, but you need to, he needs to go out and feel those no more technical getting lost in the minutia of where it's at, what positions is that um, get a little bit more feel and freedom and be athletic. I think that that sounds like uh, great advice, Darren. <laughs> um, as far as technology, are you a guy that likes to kind of tinker with things or are you more, if you find something that's working, you're going to stick with it for a while? Well, <laughs> The people who are around me a lot would say that I'm a tinkerer when it comes to <laughs> like putters. I love, I, I like to collect them. Okay. Um, 
I generally tend to go back to kind of the same thing, you know, like the putter I used this weekend was one that I would use for the year prior, but I think this year I probably had bounced back and forth between two or three of them. Okay. Um, but I really, when I get set on something in my bag, I don't like to change it out. You know, the manufacturers like you to play all the new stuff. Sure. Um, I mean, I think I just, before this current set of irons, I was playing the 2011 MCs. Okay. Um, I had a rocket, rocket ball stage two hybrid. Okay. Um, so I, I, I am a believer in if you find something that's good for you to stick with it. Um, if we could, you know, the new stuff gets you some more consistency, then by all means switch. Um, but uh, it's not like you got to be switching every other, every other club, every other year. Um, yeah. I do go through a lot of wedges, um, okay. yep. but um, you know, I, I've got a couple different sets of wedges that would be, you know, for hard turf or soft turf and high bounce and low bounce, but uh, they all have the same exact shafts, same exact, same exact grip. They just interact with the turf differently. Uh, Darren changing gears a little bit. And I've asked this question to, to others on the podcast, uh, you know, for a junior or younger golfer coming up, what's maybe a, a couple tips, couple things that you would, um, you know, maybe pass along to, to that golfer, maybe not, maybe that's played a little bit, but, you know, wants to get competitive, wants to, you know, kind of take their game to the next level. Yeah. You know, find it. One would be find a teacher that you, that you like. Yep. Um, and that ha- has the same goals in mind as, as that individual would be, would be, um, and make it fun, keep it fun, try to keep it entertaining, never get too serious. Um, and, you know, be athletic. Don't get too worried about the, the, the technical parts. Now there's some stuff that certainly will help fine tune somebody who's a little bit more raw. Mm-hmm. but uh you know remember that it's it's supposed to be fun i think <laughs> sometimes in competition we lose that a little right. bit and uh you know even this weekend coming you know playing in on the back nine you know i had to try to re- refocus and say hey man this is why you do it it's supposed to be fun you worked hard to get to this position don't don't make it so hard um yeah. So I would, I would definitely just say, find somebody that you enjoy going to see it's, you know, they'll give you some, they'll give you good candid advice on, you know, the clubs that you're using. Don't get too caught up in hitting it far. I mean, shoot, I hit first off the, I mean, I hit first off the tee and then I hit first in the fairway just about every time with those kids. So, um, yeah, that would, th- those would be kind of the things that I would start out with. Well, and I, and I would say too, not only with, with younger golfers, but any golfer, I, I tell people, you know, go see your PGA professional, go get a yeah. lesson, get, you know, get a, get a three pack of lessons. And it's, it's so it's, it, it's critical. Cause it's like, yeah. you might, as we know, you know, what you, what you feel isn't always real. Right. You know, right. so it's yeah. always, it's, it's good to, you know, get your, get your swing, get your, you know, regardless of, of what level you are, I think it's good to, um, you know, to, to do those type of things. Uh, Darren, before I let you go, I want you to tell one story 
And uh, I think I, I think I remember this, but I don't know all the details, and I've been dying to ask you about it. You, you went out one evening, but you were at Boss London, and I yeah. think you were playing with Patsia. <laughs> and you only got in about five holes. I want to hear it. And, yeah. and why you had to leave. Why you had to leave is almost maybe maybe not the best part of it, but it but it adds yeah. to it. So I'm going to let you so, go. Yeah, so this was – oh, man, this is probably somewhere in 2002 or three okay. area. Okay. And, yeah, Mike Pazia. Actually, Richard Phillips was in was playing okay. with us also. Yep. And uh, they they said, come on, let's go play a few holes. And, you know, I, I knew I was cutting it close anyway at home. But, you know, golf is golf, so I jumped out there and I – I think I, I think I birdied one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. and then and knocked it in from the fairway on number five. Yes. So I was six under through five holes. Yep. And I got a call from my wife <laughs> that said, we need milk and diapers. So, <laughs> <laughs> diapers. I remember the diapers, yep. like had to leave because I had yeah. to get diapers. Yep. So I got in the car and I said, Hey guys, I got to go. And they both looked at me like they had just seen a ghost. <laughs> They're like, you're six under through five holes. You've got to finish. I'm like, no, nope, I got to go. Uh-huh. I got to go. Uh-huh. So, Priorities. <laughs> Priorities. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I, uh, like I said, I've been, I've been meaning to ask you that for so long. Cause I, yeah. I, I kind of remember hearing about it, but I couldn't remember exactly, but I remember it's like, Nope, I got to get to the store, you know? So yeah. Yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> well, Darren, uh, again, congratulations on, uh, on your, uh, recent win at the Herman Sani and, uh, good luck the rest of this fall. I know you probably got some events left and, uh, and we'll uh, holler at you later. Well, I appreciate it, Clint. Thanks for the time today. You bet. Take care.